Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. My name is Doris Hansen, and I'm the host of the program, Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we are grateful that you have chosen to spend an hour with us tonight. It's such a privilege to be able to do this and bring information to the culture that sometimes has been hidden. Last week, we began a two-part story of Joseph Smith's first wife, Emma, uh, Emma Hale Smith, and told the story from her viewpoint based on journals and news articles and diaries. We left off last week with Emma leaving her husband in the Liberty Jail and moving to Nauvoo. And so to begin her story tonight, let me again introduce Dorothy Catlin, who is portraying Emma Hale Smith. And again, her answers are all taken from historical accounts of diaries, personal journeys, journals, and uh, newspaper articles of the time. So Dorothy, Thank you again for coming and for being Emma one more time. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> it's good to have you here. And for our viewers who perhaps weren't watching last week, um, your costume you made specifically for this program and last week's program, and it's timely. It's certainly of the era that we're talking about. Well, as close as we can make it. As close as we can do it. And it's very well done and, and it looks very good. Thank and you. I thank you for that hard work as well. Um, Please remember that this is Emma's story. It isn't Joseph's story. We're focusing on her uh, experiences. And one correction we need to make from last week's show. We referred to Martin Harris's wife as Dolly last week, but her name isn't Dolly, it's Lucy. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> that was an oversight that we wanted to correct for those who pay attention to truth in Mormon history, and we do apologize for the error. So last week we left Emma having crossed the frozen Mississippi with her young children, starting over again in Illinois in an unknown place with practically nothing, having left her husband in jail in, in uh, Liberty, Missouri, and convinced that in moving to, uh, out of Missouri, her husband would be released and he too would leave Missouri to come and be reunited with his wife. So let's talk about your life in Nauvoo. Okay. Well, in, in May of 1839, we moved into a two-story log house there that we called the Homestead. And uh, we often took in children in times of need, as I told you last week. And mm -hmm. so uh, the following spring, the Partridge sisters came to live with us. They were, uh, Emily was 16 and Eliza was 20. And we didn't pay them. They just became part of the family and, and helped around the house. And we provided them with all that they needed for life. Mm -hmm. I loved those girls. But about that same time, uh, Joseph added a room to the back of the house where we could use it as a kitchen. And there were stairs that went down to the cellar and he worked it so that he could cut the timbers and lift two of the stair treads, which gave access to a little brick room down there that was just big enough for two people to either huh? sit or lie in. Really? We wonder what that might have been for, huh? <laughs> well, we lived there <laughs> until 1842 when a much larger house was built just across Main Street, and we called that one the Mansion House. Mm -hmm. And uh, a little later on, we built an additional wing that we ran as a hotel. 
but Joseph had a sort of a hideaway built into that one, too. Out of one of the upstairs bedrooms, there was a ladder going up to the attic. Oh, yeah? And, and so it, that might have been a hideaway for future plural wives, or maybe he, he anticipated being running from the law or something. Well, he, he was often in hiding, and he traveled a lot. But when his father died, which was 1840, uh, Joseph became trustee in trust for the church, which was a position that his father had held. Mm -hmm. And he began to purchase small parcels of land, or actually some of them were quite large, but for church members' homes. And uh, he would use personal credit for that mm -hmm. and I often helped him with that and uh, some of the smaller parcels were transferred to me or to our children. Um, he continued to travel a great deal and so I began to handle more and more of the business responsibilities both for our family and for the church. Uh, a lot of people thought that that was not proper but mm -hmm. he was away so much what someone, else could you do? Someone had to do it. Yeah, uh, but you know, intermingling the church funds with the personal funds later on became uh, a, a cause of problem and alienation did. with some of them. It uh, did. But, and so life in Nauvoo settled down for a short time, but Joseph began to introduce some startling new and strange ideas to the church. Would you tell us what some of those were? Well, they were very new and, and uh, startling, you're right, to the people around. The first one was baptism <coughs> for the dead, where uh, we learned that we could guarantee our deceased family members membership in the church, even if they hadn't been members when they were alive, if mm. we were baptized for them. Well, that was actually a very comforting idea, mm -hmm. especially when our little Don Carlos, who was only 18 months, died the following year. So that was where it began. But then the next year, he introduced this idea of eternal marriage, where marriage could last beyond the grave. Mm -hmm. And so living husbands and wives <clears throat> could be sealed to one another for eternity. But the really interesting part about that was that if a man's sealed wife died and he married again, he could be sealed for eternity to that next wife as well. So that was a whole new thought. Yeah. And then the following year, uh, it, it, once he'd, we'd understood about eternal marriage, then he introduced eternal proxy marriage where wow. uh, someone, a living person, could be married to someone who had already died uh, wow. by proxy. It sounds to me like he was paving the way for this eternal marriage doctrine to be brought forward. Well, I, I was completely unready to accept this revelation about the celestial law of marriage. You mean polygamy? Uh, well, that's what you call it. But the saints never called it that, and Joseph didn't. It was celestial marriage, in his words, or eternal marriage. Sometimes he would call it the ancient order of things or the privilege of the priesthood. But it did involve plural marriage, mm -hmm. and not just in the eternities, here, here, and now. here and now, here and now. That's right. Now, I loved my husband, and I'd always believed that he was everything he claimed to be, everything he said he was. But this revelation of plural marriage was something I simply could not accept. I could not believe in it, and I did not believe that it had come from God. It was horrible to me. Mm -hmm. But that's getting ahead that's of the story because <laughs> that revelation didn't come until the summer of 1843. And I had been struggling for a couple of years with the unfolding complications of Joseph's marriage doctrines mm -hmm. long before he actually wrote down the revelation. Yeah, yeah, and that's to be understood. Although the, the first discovery of uh, Smith's sexual affairs was when 
Uh, Emma caught him in the barn with Fanny Alger, and we covered that last Ooh. week. Polygamy actually caught on rather slowly at first. But in 1841, Joseph Smith married Louisa Beeman, and she was the first documented plural wife, although mm -hmm. there might have been others before that. In October, uh, Zena, he took Zena Huntington Jacobs to a wife. In October, Prescindia Huntington Buell to a wife. In 1842, he took Agnes Coolbrith, Lucinda Morgan Harris, Elizabeth Rollins Leitner, Sylvia P. Sessions Lyon, and of all of these women, one was a widow and one was single, and all the others were married women living with their legal husbands. Tell us about the Relief Society. Well, the Relief Society was formally organized in March of 1842, and initially it hadn't been Joseph's idea at all. The idea had arisen among the women who wanted to have a part in the designing and construction of the temple. We wanted to participate. So, uh, but when we took it to Joseph for his approval, uh, he said this. He said he was glad to have the opportunity of organizing the women as a part of the priesthood belonged to us, uh, and that he would organize us under the priesthood after a pattern of the priesthood. And so we worked out our, our purposes were these, to provoke the brethren to good works, uh, to save the elders the trouble of rebuking, to look after the wants of the poor and to do good, to deal frankly with each other, and to assist by correcting the virtues of the female community. <laughs> oh my. So, so Emma was entrusted with the responsibility of correcting the morals of the community yes. while Joseph Smith is behind the scenes corrupting the morals of the community. For instance, that same month, Joseph Smith married Patty Bartlett Sessions. In March, he also married Sarah Cleveland and Elizabeth Durfee. And all three of these women were married women living with their legal husbands. And Emma was completely unaware of Smith's relationship with them. So he was corrupting the community behind the scenes. Tell us about that first Relief Society meeting. <laughs> well, I was elected president, of course, uh -huh. and I immediately chose Elizabeth Ann Whitney and Sarah Cleveland as my counselors, and Eliza Snow as secretary. All these women were my good friends. Uh -huh. And Joseph read us the elect lady revelation, which of course he had given years earlier to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then John Taylor laid his hands on my head and blessed me and confirmed upon me all the things that the revelation had talked about, particularly that I would be a pattern of virtue and that I would have all the qualifications necessary to stand and preside in my office as president of the Relief Society and to teach the females those principles requisite to their future usefulness. You know, that, that phrase really bothers me. Um, we wonder what the, their future usefulness is that he's referring to. And of course, again, what Emma didn't know was that several women in the Relief Society was already fulfilling their usefulness to her husband as his plural wives. And he would soon marry both Sarah Cleveland and Elizabeth Ann Whitney. And on top of that, Elizabeth would later arrange conjugal visit between Joseph and her own daughter, Sarah Ann. This behavior, of course, is protecting moralism in their society. It ended up that both of Emma's counselors and her secretary became secret plural wives of her husband. But wasn't the Relief Society there to keep watch over each other? Well, that was our charter. Uh, we were to look into the morals of each other and the community. And we all agreed that all those proceedings would be kept 
among the members in confidence. Uh, but one of the first topics we discussed was a young woman named Clarissa Marvel, who had been accused of telling scandalous falsehoods about my husband, the president of the church, without <laughs> the least provocation. Well, there, I think there might have been provocation. So you did launch an investigation into her character. Uh, oh, we did. And Joseph was there at the next meeting, and the room was filled to overflowing because, of course, everyone wanted to hear oh my. what he oh. had to say. <laughs> and he advised us that only the worthy should be admitted to membership, and so we would be a select society of the virtuous and those who will walk circumspectly. Oh, that's a high standard, isn't it, there for a certain elect people? In, in April of 1842, Joseph Smith married Marinda Nancy Johnson Hyde. Mm -hmm. If you remember her from last week, we told her story. And of course, she was Orson Hyde's legal wife. And <coughs> Orson was away on a mission when Joseph Smith took her as yet another bride for himself. How many wives does it take for a man to become a polygamist anyhow? Uh, Joseph prepared a statement that you were going to read at the next mm -hmm. meeting. He did, because there were men who were approaching women, Joseph said, to deceive and debauch them, uh, uh, claiming that they had authority from him. So here, I'll read you the statement, because it's very interesting to me now. <laughs> We've been informed that some unprincipled men have been guilty of such crimes. We do not mention their names, not knowing but what there may be some among you who are not sufficiently skilled in masonry as to keep a secret. Mm -hmm. See, everything That's was to be confidential among the women of the Relief Society. And a good mason could keep a secret, but a good Mormon couldn't. Let this <laughs> epistle be had as a private matter in your society, and then we shall learn whether you are good masons. We are your humble servants in the bonds of the new and everlasting wow. covenant. Wow. And that was signed by the leaders of the church. Wow, that's a statement. And on meanwhile, on June 29th, he, he takes Eliza Snow as plural wife, your best friend. But I and, didn't know it. And you didn't know it. And in July, he married Dulcina Johnson Sherman. Mm -hmm. uh, but that summer, which was 1842, as president of the Relief Society, I authorized a petition, and I was the main signatory on it, along with a thousand other signatures from women denying that Joseph Smith Jr. was connected with polygamy in any way. And then in August, I invited Eliza to move into our home to live with us. I had no idea hmm. that my husband had married her. My goodness, and he had married Eliza Snow only <coughs> two weeks after the Relief Society had finished their investigation into immoral behavior. Oh. Eliza Snow and Sarah Cleveland, who were part of this investigation into the immorality of the community, were both plural wives of Joseph Smith behind the scenes, secretly. Is there ever a better example of the fox guarding the hen house? and even going into it. But you denied that your husband was involved with polygamy. Oh, of course I did. I, uh, later that fall, I authorized another publication of another certificate, this time denouncing polygamy and denying that my husband had ever either initiated it or participated in it. And, and you actually believed all this oh, while I did. you were doing it. You, I did. You, you weren't just doing that, uh, covering up at the time. But by February of 1843, there were rumors that the Relief Society was just a front or organization to conceal Joseph Smith's wives or where young mm -hmm. women were taken in and were groomed to become his wives. Those rumors did have a foundation. Now, the Eliza Snow incident was a severe blow to you. What happened? Eliza was my best friend, and I had invited her into our home. 
but I came to discover that her relationship with my husband was something more one night when he went directly from kissing me to kissing Eliza. Mm. And I realized that there was another kind of a relationship there. I was outraged and I threw her out of my house. Uh, there were witnesses and that's all I'm going to say. That's all you're going to say. Event. Well, questions abound about Emma's response to Eliza. Questions like, did she push her down the stairs? Uh, did she chase her out of the house with a broom? Did she make her go outside uh, in the street in her night clothes? Was Eliza pregnant with Joseph Smith's baby at the time? And there are too many rumors attached to this event to really know the truth of it all now, especially if Eliza her, or uh, Emma herself doesn't give us the answers, and she chose not to. But now polygamy was out in the open, and you could no longer deny it or avoid it. I could not avoid it. I could not stop it. I couldn't even slow it down. <laughs> it accelerated there, didn't it? <laughs> a couple of weeks later, Joseph Smith married Flora Ann Woodworth and Emily Dow Partridge. And on March 8th, he married her sister, Eliza Partridge. March 15th of 1843, the Times and Seasons Mormon publication denies their practice of polygamy and mm -hmm. of the United Order. And I quote, we are charged with advocating a plurality of wives and common property. <clears throat> now this is as false as the many other ridiculous charges which are brought against us. No sect have a greater reverence for the laws of matrimony or the rights of private property, and we do what others do not. We practice what we preach, end quote. Now, they denied right there in that publication both polygamy and the United Order, yet Joseph Smith mm -hmm. did preach both of these concepts and today's polygamy groups reflect those two concepts uh, in, in the way they live Joseph Smith's Mormonism. So Joseph urged you to accept celestial marriage doctrine. Oh, he desperately wanted me to accept it and to lead forth by example. Uh, for the next three months or so, he talked to me relentlessly about it, but mm. I resisted at every turn. Then one spring day, this was uh, spring of 1843, we we're standing on our front porch and a man rode by on a beautiful sorrel horse. And I admired it aloud. I, you know, I loved horses and I, I rode mm. a lot. And Joseph turned to me and said, would you like to have that horse? I said, well, <laughs> of course I would like to have that horse. So he said he'd buy it for me on one condition that I would never mention the word spiritual wife to him ever again huh. as long as I lived. Well now, spiritual wifery was not a term that we used among ourselves. That was John Bennett's term that he used when he wrote his expose later uh -huh. on. The saints never called it that. To us it was celestial marriage. So I agreed and Joseph paid $150 wow. for that horse. And after that we would go riding a lot and on those rides, he would talk to me ceaselessly about uh, the necessity of the endowment and the ceiling for exaltation. So even though I never used the term spiritual wife to him, he talked about the subject to me for the next two months. Wow. The pressure was on. And in the meantime, he married Almira Johnson and on May 1st, Lucy Walker. Tell Lucy. us about Lucy. Lucy helped me with the housework. And I was away in St. Louis at the time. I had no idea that that was going oh, on. My but it got so that every time I traveled or was away from home, I began to wonder what my husband was up to 
and with whom. While you were gone. Uh, and then in May, later that spring, the Lord's girls moved into our house, the Lawrence sisters, because uh -huh. Joseph had been made their guardian and executor. And so Joseph Smith takes both the Lawrence <laughs> sisters as plural wives. And that was a highly convenient marriage since he was the legal guardian of them both and of their inheritance. Mm -hmm. And about that time, you appeared to accept plural marriage, not knowing that he already had 20 wives at least. And among them were the Partridge mm -hmm. sisters whom you supposedly chose for him. Well, I did finally relent and, and admit that I would give him other wives if only I could choose them. And so I chose the Partridge sisters and the Lawrence sisters because they were already living in our home. Joseph expected me to instruct them regarding celestial marriage. Mm. But you didn't know that he had already married them a few weeks earlier secretly. No. When you chose them. No. I knew nothing about that. All I know is that on May 23rd, 1843, I watched while they were married to my husband in our home oh my. by Judge James Adams, who was a high priest in the church. But I immediately regretted it. I was so unhappy afterwards that we were up all night talking about it. I had loved those girls, but suddenly I found I could hardly stand to have them in the house. Mm -hmm. I, I had to keep a very close eye on them, and I wanted the whole matter terminated immediately. Well... It took several months, but eventually Joseph gave in and they did move out. And he told me that he would relinquish all for me. But I found out later that he had told his secretary that he would relinquish nothing. Nothing for you. Wow. Well, in any case, five days after that, on May 28th, I was finally sealed to my husband for all time and eternity, May 28th. 1843. And right after that, immediately after that, I was admitted to the prayer circle, which was that inner circle of Joseph's most trusted ones. And mm -hmm. he sometimes taught things in that circle that were not taught to the church as a whole. Nobody else knew. But this was only after I'd consented to give him more wives. However, before Emma was sealed to her husband, 25 women, according to Nauvoo Polygamy, 25 women had been sealed to Joseph Smith before his wife Emma was sealed to him. And Judge Adams, who uh, performed secret polygamous ceremonies, was not only a Mormon high priest, but he was also a Mason. And the ceremonial rituals, which were introduced later, decidedly have had the Masonic flavor. And of course, that would be natural because Joseph Smith himself was a Mason. And so what did Joseph do right after marrying the Partridge sisters that she just told us about? He turned around and married Helen Mar Kimball, 14 years old. The same his, day we were sealed. His youngest bride so far. Mm -hmm. The same day he was sealed to his wife, he turns around and takes Helen Mar Kimball as wife. A few days later, he married Elvira Holmes, Rhoda Richards, Hannah Ells. And in July, he married Marianne Frost, Olive Gray Frost, Nancy Winchester, Desdemona Fuller. Seven new wives in June and July of 1843. We don't have all of, the, all of the pictures because some pictures were not available of these wives, but it just gives you an idea of what Joseph Smith was really up to behind the scenes that Emma was unaware of. And Emma's admittance into the prayer circle appears to be blackmail because it 
it was only given to her if she accepted plural mm -hmm. marriage. Mm -hmm. And what parti when participating in that private and elite group, Emma was exclusively her husband's queen. And no doubt she basked in that position as his queen, even if it was only during those secret meetings. Well, you know, the endowment ceremony had been introduced a few years before, but only to men. Uh, and Joseph taught them the ancient order of things, which was the expression he liked to use, and it was not taught to the whole church, only to that group of men. Mm -hmm. uh, and they wore white garments that Joseph himself had designed, but we women had actually figured out the pattern and constructed the garments for them to wear. Wow. So earlier Joseph had told the Relief Society that, that a day was coming when women would participate in the endowment. So uh, after all of our work on constructing the temple and uh, building it and then hearing about our future involvement in the endowment and actually sewing the garments for the men to wear, we women began to ask the question, why had we not been included yet when it looked like everything was in place? Hmm. Well, <laughs> Joseph's answer was this, a man must obey God to be worthy of the endowment and a wife must obey a righteous husband to be worthy of the same reward. But he also taught us that the endowment was essential for our exaltation. And he wanted me to serve as an example to the other women. I was the elect lady, wow. after all. So Emma's dilemma was that until she could be obedient to give Joseph plural wives, she would not be allowed to participate mm -hmm. in the endowment ceremonies. And by, not, and, and by not obeying her husband, by giving him other wives, she was preventing all other women from entering as well. And that was a trap that Joseph put her in. And just a quick note here, there were no endowments ever until Mormon polygamy. The blackmail must have been very hard for you. Oh. Joseph knew how unhappy I was with him. And I told him if he continued to indulge himself, then I would too. I wasn't really serious, you know, how things are kind of in the heat of an argument. But I told him that as he had so many spiritual wives, that it was only fair that I had at least one man and that I wanted William Law. The Laws were our very good friends. <laughs> Putting him to the test there. <laughs> and what was interesting there is that Joseph Smith was interested in Jane Law, oh, his wife. Was. In fact, William Law wrote in his diary that Joseph Smith had tried to seduce his wife. She had told her husband about Joseph Smith's proposal. And, and Joseph Jackson also write, wrote that Joseph Smith had told him that he had been after Mrs. William Law for a spiritual wife. He said that he had used every argument in his power to convince her of the correctness of the doctrine, but he could not succeed. And then in July, Joseph dictates the famous revelation on polygamy only four months after denying it in print. Mm -hmm. His revelation is now section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Historically, this is the polygamy revelation. Well, you know, it was actually written down on July 12th, which was two days after my 39th birthday. But we'd been talking about it for months. Joseph had been talking about it for months. That day that it was written down, he knew that I would hate it. Mm. Uh, and it happened this way. Hiram believed that he could convince me of its truth if Joseph actually 
wrote it. And so Joseph dictated it to his secretary, William Clayton, and then Hiram brought it to me while Joseph waited like a coward at the brick store with Clayton. Well, I gave Hiram a severe talking to, you can imagine, and I sent him back to Joseph. There had been no peace in our home for months. I already knew of at least five wives when I had only given permission for four. Mm -hmm. And he had at least 28 wives by that time. Well, see, Joseph had thought that I would submit peacefully if he actually wrote the revelation down. But I refused to believe in it, and I told William Law as much when we talked about it later on. The revelation actually said that I must submit or be destroyed. Wow. Well... I guessed I had to submit, even though I didn't believe that this revelation could possibly be from God. You know, what's interesting is, is when they tried to sell the copyright to the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith said that some revelations are of God, some revelations are of man, and some revelations are from the devil. And I think we know where this one came from. A couple of days later, I took that document that had been delivered to me and I threw it in the fire. I didn't even want to touch it. I handled it with tongs. <laughs> and we wonder, we wonder if Emma remembered that Joseph Smith couldn't rewrite the 116 pages that was lost to the Book of Mormon. And so maybe she thought if she learned the, burned the polygamy revelation, he wouldn't be able to resurrect that one either. But <laughs> unfortunately... <laughs> well, what I didn't know then was that there had been another copy made. And so eventually I listened to the instruction because Joseph, after all, had said, those who have this law revealed to them must obey, obey it. That's what I heard mm -hmm. all of my life. And on September 20th, 1843, he married Melissa Lott. Mm -hmm. But only a couple of weeks later, he publicly denounced polygamy as sin and falsehood. And he gave instructions to try those persons who were preaching, teaching, or practicing the doctrine of plurality of wives. He said that he alone held these keys and, and this power in the last days. For there's never but one on earth at a time on whom the power and its keys are conferred. And I've constantly said, no man shall have but one wife at a time unless the Lord directs otherwise. That unless the Lord, well, his Lord directed otherwise because Joseph Smith married in October, mm -hmm. Sarah Mulholland, Phoebe Woodworth, and Mary Houston, and in November, he married Fanny Young. And in February of 1844, Joseph and Hiram co-authored a letter to the Times and Seasons saying they planned to cut off from the church for his iniquity a man by the name of Hiram Brown who was preaching polygamy and other false and corrupt doctrines. Mm -hmm. So polygamy is a false and corrupt doctrine, according to that. And I remember saying to my women friends, your husbands are, are going to take more wives, and unless you believe in it and consent, you must put your foot down and keep it there. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> William Law was so disturbed over Smith's polygamy that he published it in the Nauvoo Expositor. Joseph Smith felt threatened by the truth being exposed. So instead of, of due process, he destroyed the printing press. He destroyed it because it revealed his secret acts. And he knew that he couldn't sue the publishers he would lose because they had told the truth. He destroyed it to maintain his power and reputation, and it had already, and it led directly to his death two weeks later, and everyone knows the rest of that story. Mm -hmm. So um, we will break for the telephone lines right now, and then we will continue on with the story on the other half of the break. Uh, we will um, 
and we do invite your phone calls. Our phone number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Give us a call. We'd like to hear your comments or questions about our topic tonight. And while the phones are, are uh, waiting for the phones to calls to come in, we'll share our message with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? Uh, we're with my guest, Dorothy Catlin, and she is portraying Emma Smith tonight, telling her story, not Joseph's story, but her side of mm -hmm. the story of some of this historical events in early Mormon history. Do uh, Dorothy, as Dorothy, did you have a bibliography that you wanted to share with our uh, oh. uh, viewers of the information, where we got our information? Yeah, I think if, if, it, if they have it, they can put it up on the screen. But primarily the information, there it is, came from Mormon Enigma. Uh, Linda King Newell and Valine Tippett's Avery. This is an excellent biography and just really mm -hmm. focuses on Emma. And then Nauvoo Polygamy, of course, is an excellent book, right. very well documented. Uh, I am quoting quite a bit from the last testimony of Sister Emma. There's some of that coming up. And then this wonderful article by Grant Palmer, Why William and Jane Law Left the LDS Church in 1844. Mm -hmm. And then at the bottom, there's that <laughs> website, thewivesofjosephsmith.org, which just gives little uh, snippets of information about each, each of the women one. that we've mm -hmm. referenced so yeah. far. Those are good. Mm -hmm. And also I used... Um, 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 with, along with those, I've used uh, In Sacred Loneliness mm -hmm. by Todd, Todd Compton. Um, so our phone lines are open and we are taking phone calls and we still have a lot to tell about um, oh, uh, Emma. So <laughs> let's go on with that while the phone calls come in. 
So what happened with you after Joseph Smith died, was killed? Well, I really thought that after Joseph was killed that polygamy would come to an end. But it actually seemed to gain momentum. I simply didn't understand it. Well, plural marriage, actually polygamy, increased and accelerated. And, and it is hard to it understand did. how that could happen in 1845. And in 1846, 275 more plural marriages were performed. I tried to figure that out. It's oh kind of gosh. almost like five plural marriages a week were taking mm -hmm. place at that time. Well, the Mormons who followed Brigham Young began heading west. Why didn't you go west with them? Well, you know, that year following Joseph's death was so chaotic. I was grieving. There was no peace anywhere in the city or safety. There were mobs threatening all of the church members. I didn't know who I could trust, and I was afraid for the lives of my children. Wow. Julia was a teenager, but young Joseph was only 11. Uh, Alexander and Frederick were even younger. I was 41 and was carrying another child. Little David would be born five months killed. after Joseph was yeah. killed. And I was horrified at the thought of a winter in the wilderness and that long journey west uh, with a new baby. I had lost so many babies. Uh, I just couldn't face it. I had a home here. I didn't know what was out there. Yeah, yeah. So I gathered my children and my mother-in-law, and we went 160 miles north up to Fulton, and we spent the winter there with friends until things calmed down. We didn't go back to Nauvoo until the, the mobbing was over, and most of the people who had followed Brigham Young West had left by then. And then Louis Bideman came courting. Louis <laughs> Bideman came into your life. <laughs> he had been a family friend for years. He didn't just come into my life at that oh, point. Okay. Uh, but he had always been a friend, but he had never joined the church. And I married him December 23rd, wow. 1847. Okay, and we'll get back to that in just a moment. But we do have a couple of calls here that we'll take. The first one is line two, uh, John in Salt Lake City. Hello, John. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, John. Well, what do you think oh, about that? Well, you know, we were just talking about that during the break a little bit, how there were lots of witnesses to the fact that Emma uh, later on became quite vocal about her opposition to plural marriage, and lots of people knew it. Lots of people witnessed those exchanges. Um, but as to her having power over Joseph, you know, he pretty much did 
what he wanted to do. He pretended to do in front of her what she wanted, but yes. behind her back, she did what he wanted. Yes, and yet she was she was an excellent partner for him. I think she was intelligent. She was uh, resourceful. I don't think he would have been nearly as successful as he was if he had not had Emma he hadn't as had his Emma. wife. Mm -hmm. And as far as the authorship of the Book of Mormon, there are so many theories out there about who wrote the Book of Mormon with Joseph. Did he do it? Did somebody help him like Oliver Cowdery, our, our caller, asked about mm -hmm. and Emma might have known? That's just a theory up for grabs. Um, I don't know that that's the, even in the concept of our show tonight, but I, ha I really couldn't answer to that one. I don't know if you could answer to that no. or not. Okay, line three, we have Ada calling in Salt Lake City. Hello, Ada. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. Yes. yes. You're on the Hello. air. Yes, Ada, is your telephone, is your TV volume turned down? Yes, it's off. Okay, you're on the air now. What's your question? My question is, I met my brother-in-law today, and I believe totally in the Bible, and he's a Mormon, and he was saying how he was afraid of death and that, and I asked him if he was still a Mormon, and he said yes, and I said, well, I sure love that, and, I, and he said, why? And I said, well, you believe in more than one God, and he said, no, we don't. And I said, oh, yes, you do. And I believe in one God. And, and you believe, I said, you believe in, uh, uh, that you can be a God. And he said, well, and I said, yes, you do. And so anyway, I said, your doctrine still believes in plural marriage. And he said, it does not. And I said, well, I'm going to find out because I know it does. And so, Doris, I'm sorry, but I don't know where to tell him. I said, I'm coming to visit you, and I'm going to show you that your doctrine says that. So is it in the Doctrine and Covenants? Doctrine and Covenants. Doctrine and Covenants section 132 is the plural marriage revelation mm -hmm. that Joseph Smith wrote down that we just talked about when when Hiram took it to Emma. She burned it, but he had a second copy. And that is the plural marriage polygamy doctrine. And they okay. haven't changed it, and mm -hmm. it's still there. Oh well, I don't know what I don't know what each individual person believes, but Mormon doctrine <clears throat> from the beginning has believed mm -hmm. that they there are multiple gods, and that we can learn to be a god, and that God Himself was once a man and learned how to become a god. Yes, is that, that is doctrine? that is no Mormon doctrine. doctrine. Um, in doctrine, well, read the book of Abraham. It talks mm -hmm. about uh, creation and how the gods, the council of the gods, got together and 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 brought together all the the existing matter and created or not created, but uh, organized mm -hmm. the solar system. You know, I okay. I, I appreciate it, Doris. Uh, let me just add one thing here, Ada, and that I have an interesting quote here from, from George D. Smith from Nauvoo Polygamy, and he's kind of wrapping up the question as to why people accepted that doctrine and practiced it, and I think it's probably pertinent here. He said, people wanted to be counted among the elite, the initiated few. See, I think that's still true. Mm -hmm. The chosen of God, or as Joseph promised, to be given the unheard of opportunity to become gods themselves. Some women yearn to marry powerful men. And so, you know, that allure of becoming a god yourself is still out there. And the woman thinking they can marry someone who's going to be a god. That's... And that she will just ride in on the shirt tails yeah. of the yeah. husband that she marries. Right. Mm -hmm. Or the right. one she's sealed to. 
and sometimes yeah, I mean, that's the purpose of having plural marriages so that they can have all these wives in heaven to create their world. That's mm -hmm. part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Well, thank you, Ada. Appreciate your call. I hope this helped you. Thank you. Uh huh. Bye. Okay, we have Rob calling from Provo. Hello, Rob. Yes, you're on the air, Rob. What's your question or comment? Well, thank you. How many wives did uh, Joseph supposedly end up with? Well, according the the most conservative number is 34, including Emma. But there are other How figures. There are other figures out there that puts it at a higher number. I've read up and to I've, 40, 44. Yeah, 34. How many children did they have? Well, we don't know uh, exactly how many children he had aside from his um, relationship with Emma. There's, well, there's. I understand. I know Emma got pregnant quite frequently, but my understanding is they've never found any of Joseph's DNA in any children uh, since that time. So, mm -hmm. so far they can't prove any one child ever being born from these polygamous wives. Well, Rob, I need to ask you a question. Uh, why would Joseph Smith marry these women unless it was to have children? I don't have the foggiest. Well, that's what the, that's. Well, that was the purpose. That was the purpose, Rob. Never came forth, but when he was intimate with his wife, they came forth like. Well, there's okay, but Eliza. Eliza Snow is on record as saying, in response to someone who asked her, "Well, you know, it was purely a spiritual marriage," and she said, "If you think that, then you don't know Joseph. That's you right. You don't know Joseph the way I know Joseph. That's right. So, no. And there, there <laughs> that's are a pretty lot good of, documentation. There's a lot of testimonies <laughs> out there from from several of his wives who admitted that there was sexual relations between him and his wives. And some of those women he married, by the way, were married women. And one woman mm -hmm. actually said she didn't know who the father of her children were sometimes because she was giving uh, sexual favors to Joseph and her husband, too. So, read your history. Read Read some of these things and you'll get some of those answers. But the main reason but the main reason for polygamy is told us to rise up children mm -hmm. unto God. That's why for polygamy, and if he didn't have any children, he shouldn't have been living polygamy. Okay, um, let's continue on with this. So so you married Lewis Biteman. Um, and what did you find in your relationship with him? Well, simple friendship. And companionship that was free of church oh, gossip, that have complications. Been <laughs> he became an excellent stepfather to my children, and they loved him. And he actually was the only father that little David ever knew, because uh -huh. David was born after Joseph was killed. Right, right. But, 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 and, and Emma accepted um, um, Lewis's infidelity with the same strength that she had um, toward Joseph's infidelity. Perhaps she saw herself as free to enjoy a marriage for time only, mm -hmm. thinking that she'd been sealed to Joseph for eternity, and so she was secure. So Lewis and Emma were married 32 years, mm -hmm. almost twice as long as she'd been married to Joseph. And Emma Smith died on April 30th, 1879. She was 75 years mm -hmm. old. Joseph Smith had threatened Emma that God would destroy her if she didn't give him plural wives. But it was Joseph Smith who was destroyed. He was violently murdered at age 39. Emma lived to the ripe old age of 75. God will not be mocked. Before she died, Emma mm -hmm. gave, and we're going to talk to you now as Dorothy, not Emma. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. 
Is that well? Uh, that is, works. Uh, we're going to talk about this interview. That okay. oh, are you doing that? for no, that's fine. Are you doing that? For, uh, we're you, good. Okay. <laughs> we're confused. <laughs> Before she died, Emma gave an interview, and that's the last testimony uh -huh. of Sister Emma mm -hmm. that you've talked about, in which she seems to deny that polygamy ever mm -hmm. happened. So in that interview. Emma said. Well, it occurred to me today, and this is me talking as myself now, uh, that uh, in all of these denials that she's going to offer here, she's simply doing what Joseph did during his lifetime, and that is speak like it never happened or wasn't happening. So here's wow. her quote. In that interview, she said, no such thing as polygamy or spiritual wifery was taught publicly or privately before my husband's death that I have now or ever had any knowledge of. He had no other wife but me, nor did he, to my knowledge, ever had. So they asked, was there nothing about spiritual wives that you can recollect? So I told them, Emma tells them, mm -hmm. one time my husband came to me and asked me if I'd heard certain rumors about spiritual marriages or anything of the kind. He assured me they were without foundation, that there was no such doctrine and never should be with his knowledge or consent. I know that he had no other wife or wives other than myself in any sense, either spiritual or otherwise. Wow. So she's flat outly denying it just like he did. That's and, an And this is very concept. late in life. This was yeah. just recently before she died. Right. Mm -hmm. And then in that interview, they asked Emma, did he not hold marital relations with women other than yourself? And Emma answered that he did not have improper relations with any woman that ever came to her knowledge. Was this term improper relations merely a clever sidestep? Well, you know, that's really an interesting question. And again, I'm speaking as myself uh -huh. because that allows relations with his celestial wives to be considered as proper. Mm -hmm. She hasn't really said he never had sexual relations with any other woman. She said he never had improper relations with any woman. Wow. And in her thinking, a spiritual wife, remember that was a term that was used by outsiders. Right. In her thinking, a spiritual wife would be one that was not married. But what about ones who were celestially married or who were divine plural ones? See, uh -huh. it's, a, it's very tricky so semantics it, here. So it would have been proper relation. Yes, because if, they were regarded as celestial. celestially married right. or divinely So that married. was a good size. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's much like the secrecy of today's mm -hmm. polygamy groups as they follow the practice of Joseph Smith because lying under covenant to protect what they're right. doing is normal. It's expected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, that makes a whole lot of sense yeah. to me. Um, you know, there was so much proof and documentation of the practice mm -hmm. of polygamy. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, as you researched Emma, I, I, and you did a lot of work in this, and so I thought maybe you could kind of get a feel for her, um, not knowing her personally, but what she was about. Why did Emma totally deny the polygamy on the part of her husband's life uh, and uh, in the part of early Mormonism? Mm -hmm. Was she only fooling herself? Was it for her own peace of mind, her children's sake, or what other reason might it might she have had? You know, was it denial or was it selective memory at that point? And uh, it's an interesting denial when you read that last testimony because she doesn't use any of the terms that were the recognized correct ones like the terms that Eliza Snow uses in her journals like mm -hmm. the celestial law of marriage or plural celestial marriage, divine plural marriage. She doesn't 
Emma doesn't use any of those terms in those denials. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if she hasn't just sidestepped uh, the issue and kind of safeguarded her own past behind those lies. Uh -huh. um, um, and the terms, uh, these other terms that were used that he had just put up on the screen. Yeah, I saw uh, For, for uh, code words mm -hmm. for celestial marriage. Mm -hmm. and, and some of them, also the priesthood was one. Oh, yes. That was a code word. And to live four. up to your privileges of the priesthood and to uh, the new and everlasting covenant, which, mm -hmm. you know, was in that statement that Emma read to the Relief Society. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Um, questions come to mind as you researched for our shows on, on, on Smith, uh, on Emma as well. And the three primary differing judgments are made about Emma, it seems like. Mm -hmm. One of them is that she was fully aware of her husband's deceitfulness, mm -hmm. went along with him for the power, money, and adventure, and was as big a scoundrel, scoundrel as he was. The second one is that she had no knowledge of, her, of his behavior, and so she mm -hmm. was completely innocent herself. And the third one is that she was somewhat aware of his activities, but loved him so much that she stayed with him for better or for worse. Which of these do you believe expressed Emma's heart and mind and motives? And you've got about a minute and a half to... <laughs> oh, well, I don't think she was a scoundrel, but she wasn't completely ignorant either. Uh, she, she loved him. She believed in him. Uh, her family had completely rejected him, but his family accepted and welcomed her. And she had received that elect lady revelation mm -hmm. very early she in had life to live that, up to that, that didn't gave she? her this tremendous affirmation that she was his partner. Her purpose was to console him and comfort him, to delight in the glory that would come upon him, which, of course, is glory that she would have a share in. Mm -hmm. now, do I have time to read this last little quote? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. She wrote this right before Joseph was killed. She said, I desire with all my heart to honor and respect my husband as my head, ever to live in his confidence by acting in unison with him, to retain the place which God has given me by his side. Hmm. See, that brings to mind that uh, George D. Smith quote, some women long to marry powerful men. And, and so she there was benefit. She would have Emma. believed mm -hmm. that he, when she was sealed to him for eternity, oh, yes. that it was true. That, mm -hmm. that, uh, the, the, and that's what she meant, to mm -hmm. live forever by his side. Yes, to retain that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, to yeah. retain the place. Mm -hmm. uh, but when... If, if I recall, when once you're entered into that inner circle, your place is guaranteed. That's, that's my, understanding. my understanding. That's what you've taken the, taken the oaths, participated in the covenant, in the ceremonies, and you're, it's a done deal. Well, we have about a few more seconds before uh, my closing comments. What would you say ha impacted you most doing Emma? I think I never really understood how vocally opposed she was to plural marriage, that as things went on and got more and more comfortable in Nauvoo, I never realized there were so many witnesses to the conversations. There were so many statements, especially reading William Law's letters yeah. in journals was very interesting. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, the picture that's presented of Emma in this culture is one of this meek, sweet, obedient compliant wife she was not that she was she was that. an independent uh, survivor survivor 
-hmm. thank you, Dorothy, very much thank you. for playing this part. You know, we hope that these shows that we've done about Emma have brought new information and understanding about polygamy to our viewers. You know, God never commanded polygamy. In fact, he instituted monogamy, and Jesus himself uh, confirmed that uh, monogamy was God's plan. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Eternal life has nothing whatsoever to do with polygamy. It has everything to do with exclusive belief on Jesus and nothing and no one else. The gospel that Paul and Peter and James and John preached was offensive to many people. In fact, God's gospel stirred up anger and hatred and violence then, and it still does 2,000 years later. Paul said that the only thing that he was determined to know in his preaching was Jesus Christ and him crucified. Marriage wasn't part of that equation. No, he wasn't part of the salvation plan. Joseph Smith just made that up so he could lure these women into plural marriage with him. The only bridge between heaven and earth is the bridge constructed with the cross of Jesus Christ. The whole world is perishing in sin, and the only bridge from perishing to eternal life is that old wooden cross, not celestial marriage, not any marriage, not any religion. And if this offends you, we're sorry about that because God also said that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. We pray that you, our viewers, will check these things out. Your eternity depends on it. And our message is about eternal life through the cross of Jesus, not through polygamy. We wish Emma Hell Smith had believed that. It would have saved her a lot of pain. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.